Uh, we're continuing tonight in a series that we began uh, back, back in September that uh, we're calling The Gospel Changes Everything. And uh, as, as we began, as we've been working our way, most of our messages, if you've been paying uh, special attention, you, you have noticed that they've been coming out of the Gospel of John. And we've been talking from those passages about how the Gospel through Jesus Christ, how it makes a way for us to God, uh, how the gospel brings joy, how the gospel brings new life, how the gospel addresses our longing for justice. And tonight, we thought, well, okay, so it's midterm. Coming up next week, and probably the people who maybe most need to hear this message are here tonight, but... Um, <laughs> We thought we would uh, reflect a little bit on how the gospel speaks to our anxiety. So, uh, why don't we go ahead and get the scripture up there. This is uh, some excerpts out of uh, John 14 through 16. And uh, if you know the gospel of John at all, you know the chapters 14 through 16, they're sometimes referred to as the upper room discourse. Uh, this refers to Jesus gathering with his disciples on the night before he was betrayed and arrested to have a, a meal with them, a meal that uh, was, the, the, in a sense, the prototype, the establishment of, of what we call the Lord's Supper, a meal with them. And during that time, he's uh, not only explained to them something of what's going to happen to him, but that he's, he's about to leave them. And, of course, they don't fully understand what, what he means by that, but they're very troubled by everything that he's telling them. And so it's, it's in that context that uh, these words from chapter 14 and then uh, from chapter 16, that Jesus speaks these words to them. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And a little bit later, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then later still, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And then later still, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Father, we pray that uh, as we consider this word tonight, that you would uh, apply it to our hearts. Lord, we are anxious people. We pray that tonight you would give us insight and instruction as to how we might have this peace that Jesus speaks of. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So most of us are anxious about many different things. Um, you may be anxious tonight uh, about midterms. Uh, you may be anxious about your grades. 
about whether you're smart enough to make it through Princeton. You may be anxious about your job search. Um, you may be anxious about something like your thesis. You may be anxious about relationships, about social situations. Some of you may be anxious about your health or perhaps about the health of someone uh, that you love. And some of you are anxious uh, about the state of the world. Even though, as you are uh, reminded repeatedly, uh, you enjoy great privilege, uh, social commentators uh, believe that your generation is particularly an anxious generation. And some of them will point to 9-11 uh, and different sort of transitional moments in, in our contemporary history. But the general sense that the world is uh, an uncertain, uh, a scary place, that the future is very uncertain, lends this sort of general sense of anxiety. How are things going to go for me? Is it going to be all right? Is everything going to work out? And I ask you to consider, I know some of you are more anxious than others by nature, but what are you anxious about tonight? And how do you manage those fears, those anxieties? Because anxiety, of course, impacts each one of us very, very differently, I think. But just think physically. Some of us, if we're anxious, we can't sleep. Um, some of us can't seem to stay awake. Uh, anxiety makes us sleepy. Uh, some completely lose their appetite. When they're really anxious, their stomach is nervous, they can't eat anything. Uh, some anxiety they can't seem to stop eating. Um, some are afflicted in other ways, uh, headaches, for example, or or, uh, or that kind of thing. We all cope with our anxieties differently as well. Some of our ways of coping are more constructive than others, right? Maybe maybe your anxiety about, let's say, your grades motivates you to live a very disciplined and Spartan life. Um, to study hard. Uh, when I arrived here as a freshman, I was so terrified. I was convinced, as many of you are, that Princeton had made some kind of mistake. I was terrified that I was not going to be able to do the work. And um, I, I set my alarm, much to my roommate's uh, <coughs> dismay, I set my alarm, which was quite loud. For 7.30 every morning, I was up out of bed 7.30 every morning, I read my Bible, I took a shower, I went to the dining hall, and I had breakfast, and I was, you know, there at my 9 o'clock class, and, and I, I was never more uh, disciplined or conscientious as a student in my life, either before or after, <laughs> than my freshman year. I mean, fear can be a powerful motivator. <laughs> My sophomore year, I was lucky if I heard the bell on Nassau Hall at 10 till 10 and, you know, rolled into lecture after the professor had started. Or just stayed in bed. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but many of us also cope with our anxieties in, in, in much less constructive ways. Perhaps, perhaps we respond to our uh, anxiety maybe about a big project by procrastinating. Rather than face the challenge, we put it off, we distract ourselves, 
Um, maybe because we're, we're feeling anxious about it, we try to do something to elevate our mood. Some of you withdraw from others when you're anxious. Maybe you isolate yourself, hide in your room, start skipping classes. Many of, of the, the more destructive behaviors that we might be prone to, things like drinking to excess, um, uh, eating struggles, uh, binge-watching TV shows uh, you know, on, on our laptops, uh, or using pornography. Many of these kinds of more destructive behaviors are often explainable in part as our attempts to manage our anxiety and, and our fear. Now, if you were to go over to uh, the university's counseling and psychological services and ask them uh, for your help, uh, for help with your anxiety, which many students do, um, they, they would be uh, very eager to, to offer you help with that, and, and they would likely offer you, uh, I mean, you could just go on their website and see what, some of what they would offer you, an array of techniques and of programs and of resources uh, that would be designed to lower your level of stress, uh, ease muscle tension, calm your mind, uh, direct your focus. And uh, these, these programs and these techniques might indeed provide you with some help uh, and, and relief, uh, particularly if you feel crippled by anxiety, as, as some of us sometimes do. But I wonder if this kind of uh, either you know, engaging in these kinds of behaviors or embracing these kinds of techniques, these different ways that we have of coping with and managing our fears and our anxieties. I wonder if these really are, are getting it all to the heart and to the root of things. When we turn to a, a scripture, like, or scriptures like the one that I read a few minutes ago, I mean, what we find is that Jesus offers to his followers peace. He offers us peace. God knows that we're anxious about many things. Uh, and he knows all the things that you're anxious about tonight, every single one of them. And scripture actually tells us that God cares about all those things that you're anxious about. Some of the things you're anxious about, I'd say, well, that's stupid. Quit, quit worrying. Just quit whining. But God knows them all, and he cares. He is, he's more sympathetic than, than the person sitting next to you, or, the, or than I am, about all the things that you're anxious about. He knows those things. And over and over again in Scripture, when we find God speaking to his people, he's saying what? He's saying things like, do not fear. God is over and over again speaking, we find him in scripture, when he is speaking, he's over and over again speaking to us in our fears. And, and this passage, we find Jesus, again, as his earthly ministry is drawing to it its close, talking to his followers about the things that they are anxious about. They're anxious about the future. What's going to happen to us? Is it going to go well for us? And, and in that context of their anxiety, he speaks directly to it. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. 
Uh, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you helpless and hopeless. I will come to you. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm going to take you to be with me. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is offering his anxious followers peace. Jesus is offering, I believe, each one of us tonight, peace. And it's a peace, he says, that's not as the world gives. It's a peace that's not rooted, and we'll talk some more about this, in our circumstances. It's a peace that's grounded in what? In Jesus' presence with them, in his power, I've overcome, in his promise, I will come for you. It's a peace that's grounded in those realities that transcend whatever's happening in the moment. Jesus offers you tonight, if you're anxious, or tomorrow, if you're anxious, or the day after, Jesus offers you his peace. So that's the, the first point. Most of you, if you've been a Christian for any time, have heard this before. Some of you uh, think, yeah, yeah, that's great, though. Jesus offers, but that doesn't... You wouldn't say, probably, I know you guys, you would say, well, that doesn't apply to me. You might say, well, okay, but that doesn't really work. Or you might say, well, I sure don't know how that works. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about that. So Jesus offers us peace, but often we don't we don't experience Jesus' peace. So... Let's, let's think a little bit more, secondly, about why, why is this so hard for us? If Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, why, why is it so hard for us to receive that? And I think we could talk about a lot of different things, but at some level, I think that uh, it's, it's hard for us to believe that what Jesus says is true, frankly. Um, we, we lack faith, and, and he seems to understand that. He says, believe in God. Believe also in me. Uh, we, we lack the faith that what God tells us, that what God tells us about the world, what God tells us about ourselves, what God tells us about what he's going to do and what he has done. We, we often lack the faith that those things are, are really true, that they really describe reality. And another way of saying that we lack faith, that, that those things are true, is that often our faith, our real faith, is misplaced. It's in something else. Uh, something else altogether. So rather than believing Jesus, when he says, you know, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, rather than believing that, we believe no, no, you don't understand, God. My peace, my peace depends on my circumstances. My peace depends on how things go for me. I mean, I have an orgo exam next week. Does anybody have an orgo exam next week? Does that already happen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what if I fail my orgo exam? What if I fail my orgo exam? Um, what if I don't make the team? 
What if I don't get into the, the eating club that I want to get into? What if I don't get the, the job? What if I don't meet the, the girl or, or the boy? I mean, we, we, the way our minds are working, we're constantly imagining that if I get this, if I get this, I'll be happy. If this happens, it will be well with me. It will be well with my soul. But, but here's the thing. First, even if, even if this does happen, whatever it is, it's never enough. It, it, it is never enough. Uh, one of my dearest sisters in Christ was an undergraduate here at, at Princeton, and, and that, that little epiphany was instrumental in her coming to faith in Christ. She was an engineer. And uh, one of the things she aspired to was to get into the Society of Women Engineers. And I don't know if it was when that would have happened, her sophomore or junior year. And, and she got in, she, she got this thing that she hoped, she thought, wow, if I can achieve that, that'll be so awesome. And she did. And she's like, is that all there is? You know, that, that didn't, when our, when our happiness is, is based on our circumstances, our anxieties will never, never be relieved. Why? Because with that model, there will always be another circumstance to worry about. Even if, even if X goes well, well, there's always Y right behind it. I mean, I, I, I'm a, a parent. Um, all my kids are grown up and out, out, out of the house now. You know, as a parent, if, if, if my peace, and it's, I, I think it's natural, it's human for parents to worry about their kids, but, but if all my peace is, is based on my teenage kids coming home safe tonight, then my anxiety will grow. My mother's did. She would lie awake in bed. I'd be away at, at Princeton. She'd have no idea what I was doing. I'd come home, uh, for Christmas vacation. I'd be out with my friends till 10 p.m. and she's, she's Home in bed, worrying. Where are you? And I said, Mom, I'm at, when I'm at college, you have no idea what I'm doing. She's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you're home and you're not home, so I'm worried about you. You know, if, if that's the source of your peace, then your anxiety will grow until they're safely in their beds, but there's always tomorrow. I mean, today I was distracted from my, my work having. A great time uh, rejoicing with some uh, photos that my daughter, who just got married last Sunday, uh, was sending us from Hawaii. And you know, hey, we're having a great time. Rejoice. This is wonderful circumstance. <laughs> and then I get a message that my son is in the emergency room. You know, and talk about, ooh. If my peace is in my circumstances, even if X goes well, there's always Y right behind it. And, and for you, I mean, let's say you're a pre-med. Maybe you managed to ace that ergo exam. Yes! All is well. But then there's the final. You know, then there's the MCATs. Then there's the med school applications. Then there's the interviews. You know, I mean... It, then there's, then there's uh, boards, then there's matching. On and on it goes relentlessly. And, and we, we constantly fall into this trap that 
My sense of peace is dependent on these things, and yet these are the things that over and over again just send us back into anxiety. Our faith is in the wrong thing. And Jesus, of course, presses it, presses it further because he says, frankly, it's not always going to go well for you. In the world, you will have tribulation. And so if your sense of peace is dependent upon that, Jesus says, hey, you're, you're a host. <laughs> I keep down the back there. <laughs> Your circumstances are not always going to go well. Last night I prayed with a man who has a malignant brain tumor. He is married. He has three kids. His oldest kid is 12 years old. He's running out of treatment options. If peace depends on our circumstances, where does that leave him? Where does that leave the person facing great trouble or great deprivation or great suffering? Jesus says that's a, that's a, that's a losing bet to put your hope, your, to find your peace in your circumstances. Don't believe in them. Believe in God, he says. Believe in me. Well, I, mean, I just gave you a really sobering example. Not only do we put our faith in, in the wrong things, but we, we, it's, it's not always easy for us, right, to believe that God can be trusted, that he's really going to be good for us. And so we, we, we have a problem there as well. We have a problem with how we construe our situation. Uh, you know what, what I mean. We, we put God, and we all do this, in, in a kind of a box where we say, God, I want this. I want a boyfriend. I want a husband. I want uh, a girlfriend. I want a wife. Or I want to get this job. Or I want to get into this grad school. Uh, and... God, that's what will make me happy. And, and God, if you love me, you want me to be happy, right? And so if you love me, you'll give that thing to me. And if you don't give that thing to me that I want, God, then you don't really love me, do you? You're not really good, are you? And so, God, I'm going to be angry with you. I'm going to turn my back on you. I'm going to harden my heart to you. I'm going to walk away from you because you haven't given me what I want. And I think we all do this with God. We, we relate to God with, with a demand mentality where we think we know better than he does where our happiness lies, where our well-being lies, where... Our, our peace lies. And that's where we have to hear Jesus' word 
afresh. He says, I, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. Yes, in the world, this world is, is broken in every way imaginable. In this world, you will have tribulation. Your circumstances will not always go the way you hope for them to go. And sometimes they will go disastrously differently than you hope that they might go. And in the midst of that, Jesus says, believe in me. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come for you. I am preparing a place for you. I have overcome. Yes, in this world, things are not the way they're supposed to be. But I have overcome the world. I have overcome the injustice in the world. I have overcome evil. I have overcome the enemy. I have overcome death itself. Let not your heart be troubled. And so we, we sing that old hymn, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever my circumstance, Thou hast taught me, God, you have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Not because it is, as we say, not because it's going well, but because we have a, a Lord, we have a Savior, who loves us with an everlasting love, and who says, I will never leave you without the Savior. Which leads me to the, to the third point, is... How can we, Jesus offers us peace. It's so hard for us. How can we, how can we receive the peace that he offers? And I just want to suggest, this is going to get pretty practical, but I think that's often where we don't go, uh, is to the practical. Let me suggest sort of three, three strategies, if you will, for uh, being less of, a, of an anxious person and more of a person who's living in and, and, and resting in the peace that Christ offers you tonight. The first thing that came to my mind is, is to cultivate, and, and that, that's coming out of Psalm 37, uh, where the psalmist says, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And, and, and I like that, that verb, cultivate. I'm going to say cultivate thankfulness. And that idea of cultivating something is, is planting it and, and watering it so that it will, will grow and, and flourish. In other words, it's something we have to be, be actively engaged in. To commit yourself to cultivating a spirit of not of a demand mentality or a complaint mentality, uh, but a spirit of thankfulness. Because nothing begins to transform your your anxieties, and actually, you know, something we're not talking about quite so much tonight as our complaining spirit, as, as when we begin to thank God for all of the, the goodness and the kindness and, and the, the mercy that we enjoy from his hand moment by moment of every day. And 
frankly, I, I think for, for many of this, this does require some discipline. And, and so, what, I mean, my challenge to you is daily say, Lord, I want daily. And I'm going to suggest even just now between Thanksgiving, and I'll give you a resource. Between now and Thanksgiving, God, daily, every day, I want to, before I leave my room, I want to, I want to find at least one thing to thank you for. And that could be some material blessing, like your health. It could be uh, the fact that you're a student here at Princeton. It could be for your friends, your family, those kinds of things. It could be thanking God uh, for the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, but to, to make a commitment tonight that every day, I was just say between now and Thanksgiving, that's not that far away. I want to I want to practice every day, God, giving you thanks. Maybe make a little journal, or if that's too, you know, whatever for you, just uh, write it down on a piece of paper. Uh, today, God, I want to thank you for this. Cultivate a spirit of, of thankfulness. And some of you know a website called Bible Gateway. Has anybody heard of that? Uh, you can, it's online. It's simply called BibleGateway.com. And um, I stumbled on this when I was uh, just cutting and pasting these texts. Right now on BibleGateway.com, you can click on the, the link and sign up for a daily devotional that is urging you to do exactly what I just urged you to do. To uh, you'll, you'll get a, a little devotional every day, a passage of scripture between now and Thanksgiving um, that is pointing you to something in scripture, something about God's character and his goodness that you can give thanks for. And so that would be, I think for many of you, a, a, a really simple way that you could do that. Secondly, I want to uh, challenge you to, to dwell on God's promises. One of our dear friends uh, tells us that his, his pastor would always say this to the congregation, remember God's promises and feast on them in your hearts by faith. Remember God's promises and feast on them in your heart by faith. What, what are the promises we've just seen here? Jesus says, I have overcome the world. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come for you. What are the things that God has promised you? You know, and I don't say this to shame you. Some of you don't even know. You don't even know what God has promised you in Christ. Commit yourself to beginning to dwell on the promises of God. And, and what, what that can lead to is, is that when you, you find yourself beginning to be anxious, you, you can begin to turn every source of anxiety, every occasion of anxiety, into an opportunity to say, God, I know you love me. God, I know that you love your son Jesus uh, more even than you, you love me. I know you're working everything for my good. I, I know you're working to make me, Paul says in Romans, to be conformed to the image of your son. That all of the love that you have for your son, you, you also want me to experience that. This thing that I'm tempted right now to be so anxious about, help me to see this, God, as an opportunity 
as an opportunity for me to receive that love, to rest in that love, as an occasion for you to keep doing that good work in me that you want to do, of, of conforming me, of transforming me into the image of Christ. Rather than that, that thing you're anxious about being an occasion to, 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 to fret and to engage in all these negative behaviors, God, make this an occasion for you to, to do something new in my life, in my heart. And then thirdly, First, cultivate thankfulness. Second, dwell on God's promises. Focus on what matters most. Again, I, I don't say this to... to I, I said at the outset, I mean it. God, God cares how you do on your midterms. He says even the, the hair... I mean, he doesn't have to count too high for me, but even <laughs> the, the hairs on your head are not... <laughs> He knows, he knows it all. He knows what you need. He knows what you're anxious about. And, and, and so I'm not backing away from that. But you know what? It's also true that your midterm is not the most important thing. And part of, of, of what the scripture is calling us to is not only not to, to find our happiness in our circumstances, but to realize, you know, these, these things that seem so important to me, they're not the most important thing. They're not even the most important thing happening in the world right now. You know, I mean, they're, 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 just, they're just not. And God, help us to have a larger perspective where we're saying, God, what, what is the most important thing? What's the most important thing to you, God? What's on your heart and, and mind today? And, and you know, for that, of course, we have to go back to the, to the scripture. But ultimately, the most important thing, Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Jesus, on the eve of his own suffering and his own death for us, he says, my peace I give to you. And, and that peace is ultimately found in, in, in the accomplishment of what Jesus did upon the cross in suffering for us, in bearing our sin. Jesus has made the most important, the most lasting peace possible, the peace that matters, peace with God. And a, and a peace with God that, 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 when it begins to work its way redemptively, leads to peace among people through his suffering. And, and he says, I offer you that peace. That's the most important thing. You all know the, the uh, story, I think, in, um, in the Gospels of, of Mary and Martha. And Martha, it says, they're, they're uh, in a village at, at the home of Martha, and her sister Mary's there. And Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus contentedly, and Martha's distracted, and she complains to Jesus that Mary's not helping. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled 
about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. And, and I think that, that that's a good reminder because what matters most right now? What matters most? Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, contemplating him, receiving his peace. And I think that when we do that, then our whole outlook on our life and our situation and the people around us is transformed. We begin ultimately to stop thinking so much about ourselves and are much better positioned not only to receive what God has for us, but to have something to share to bless the people around us with. So that's my word to encourage us with our anxiety. Lord, I pray that you would take this word and encourage our hearts. You know we are anxious about many things. But we want to receive the peace that Jesus offers us. We want to believe you and your promise. To trust in your goodness. To be thankful to devote ourselves to serving Christ. We pray in his name.